Thanks, team, for leading us and singing our praises this morning. Good morning, folks. It's hard to soar like an eagle when we're surrounded by such turkeys. What do you think? My attempt to read through the Bible each year, I use the New Living Translation. Recently, I was found myself in Psalm 106, and I marked verse 35. Instead, they mingled among the pagans and adopted their evil customs. The psalmist agrees. It's hard to soar like an eagle when you're mingling with turkeys. Hosea chapter 7, verse 8, the people of Israel mingle with godless foreigners, making themselves as worthless as a half-baked cake. Interesting metaphor. But Hosea agrees as well. It's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys, mingling with turkeys. And King Solomon felt the exact same way. In fact, turn with me in your Bibles once again to the book of Ecclesiastes. This morning we'll be focusing on chapter 10. And in chapter 10, God, through Solomon, is not concerned about us soaring with eagles, but he does want us to live smart, avoid foolishness. And so our purpose this morning is to prepare to live smarter while surrounded by turkeys. And rather than turkeys, Solomon uses terms like foolishness, a fool, and folly. But just before we go to the text, let me just say that when it comes to Ecclesiastes, wisdom is not necessarily the biblical wisdom that we think of. In Proverbs chapter, what is it? Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 is that verse that says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Turn with me to the end of the book, Ecclesiastes, just over one page, and notice verse 13. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. That is where Solomon is going to arrive after he's done a thorough examination of life under the sun. So in chapter 10, Solomon is still in an under the sun perspective, a perspective of life apart from God. But even there, even with that perspective, wisdom or living smarter, we might use the, the phrase using common sense, presents an advantage. Living smarter is always better than playing the fool. This kind of under-the-sun wisdom still can produce a God-honoring behavior. But at the same time, Solomon was well aware that to live smart, avoid foolishness, is easy to say, 
and hard to do, especially when you're surrounded by turkeys. Let me read chapter 10 in its entirety, pray, and then we'll begin preparing to live smarter. Please stand with me for the reading from God's Word. Beginning at verse 1 of Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink. So a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. If the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position because composure allays great offenses. There's an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error which goes forth from the ruler. Folly is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. I've seen slaves riding on horses, and princes walking like slaves on the land. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. If the serpent bites before being charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly, and the end of it is wicked madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen, and who can tell him what will come after him? The toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. Woe to you, O land, whose king is a lad and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. Though indolence Through indolences, the rafters sag, and through slackness, the house leaks. Men prepare a meal for enjoyment, and wine makes life merry, and money is the answer to everything. Furthermore, in your bedchamber do not curse a king, and in your sleeping rooms do not curse a rich man. For a bird of the heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Interesting passage of scripture this morning. It just seems like it's coming at you from all directions. We're going to try and sort through it that over the next few minutes and hopefully God will speak to our hearts. But let's pray together. Father, your counsel is wonderful and your wisdom is great. The Old Testament prophet Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. We bless your name this morning. 
Forgive us for those times when we have leaned on our own understanding or on the understandings of those who have been promoted as experts. Enable us to trust you more. We acknowledge your presence, your intimate involvement in our life, and your sovereignty. Give us confidence to believe that your plans and purposes will be accomplished for your glory and for our good. Admittedly, life can sometimes be challenging, confusing, discouraging, and even seductive, attempting to undermine our relationship with you. Enable us to be smarter. Use Ecclesiastes chapter 10 to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness. Not just so that we'll be smarter, but rather so that we will be transformed, equipped for every good work which you have prepared in advance for us to do, both individually and collectively. Indeed, may we avoid all the foolishness that this life offers by the power of your Spirit, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be prepared to live smart. Avoid foolishness. Jesus told this parable recorded in Matthew chapter 7. Listen as I read. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, the flood waters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus wants you and I to live smarter. To avoid foolishness. And so did Solomon, writing in the twilight years of his life, after a time of ups and downs, thrilling victories, and agonizing defeats. A lifetime. Beloved, it is true. God's message to you and me this morning is to be smart. Avoid foolishness. So be smart in your assessment of foolishness. Look again at verse 1. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink. So a little foolishness is weightier. It's heavier. It outweighs. It spoils. It decomposes. It is weightier than wisdom and honor. Foolishness wins. But it's just a little foolishness. They're only little white lies. That's how we attempt to minimize sin. And foolishness. Come on, George. Let's not make mountains out of molehills. The New Testament book of James, after referring to bits in a horse's mouth and the rudder of a ship, 
begins to talk about the tongue. The, here's his warning. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. It may be a small part of our body, but its influence is significant. The bit, the rudder, the tongue, dead flies, and a little foolishness, although small and seemingly insignificant, possess great influence and power. Do not, do not underestimate the power of a little foolishness. Look at verse 2. A wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. A wise man and a foolish man. They both have hearts. It is their heart that directs the course of their life. But they are directed in two completely different directions. One heads right, the other heads left. New Living Translation offers a more graphic description of the alternatives. A wise person chooses the right road. A foolish person takes the wrong one. The choices are both significant and opposite. But did you notice where it all begins? Recognize foolishness as a heart condition. Verse 3. Even when the fool walks. And when it comes to the Bible, when it talks about a person's walk, it's talking about his life. The choices, the decision, the direction, the lifestyle. How they are choosing to live their life. When a fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking and he demonstrates just by the way he walks to everyone that he is a fool. There's no place to hide. Fools are easily identifiable by their directions, their decisions, their actions and their reactions, their words and their deeds. When a house collapses with a mighty crash, there is no place to hide. If you choose to build your house on the sand, you will be seen you will be exposed as the fool that you are. And we need to call it as it is. I'm not suggesting that we go around labeling or calling people derogatory names. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I do want us to speak the truth. Stop making excuses for foolish people. When people make foolish choices consistently... They are fools. And you will want to limit your exposure to them. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 sounds a warning. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. 
How many of you remember the movie Forrest Gump? It's an oldie, eh? Good one. Remember his famous line? Stupid is what stupid does. That's what Solomon's saying here. Foolishness is what a fool does. And we need to be prepared to call it what it is. A fool is a fool. Foolishness is foolishness. Folly is folly. It's not the terrible twos. It's not boys will be boys. It's not just the teen years. And it's not, oh, well, that's just how Tom is. Stop minimizing, being dismissive, making excuses. Call it what it is. Be prepared to live smart. Avoid foolishness. Be smart in your assessment of foolishness. And be smart in your response to the foolishness of those in charge. Notice verse 4. If the rulers tamper. Now that is a really interesting translation of a Hebrew word. It is actually used five times in the book of Ecclesiastes. In chapter 1, verse 6, and chapter 8, verse 8, it is translated wind. And for sure, in chapter 1, verse 6, it's talking about the wind that's blowing through those trees right now. In chapter 3, verse 19, it is translated breath. For the fate of the sons of men and the fate of beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath. There's the word again. Chapter 12, verse 7. It's for sure speaking as physical death, the end of our life. Then dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit, same word, the spirit will return to God who gave it. So here in chapter 10, the context suggests that Solomon is talking about that immaterial part of us that lives forever and returns to God at the end of our earthly life. This is not just an emotional response of a ruler. No way. This is an increasing, deep, inner, decisive and resolve disdain for you. Why? Who knows? We're not told. But one thing is for sure. This person does not like you. And he is your sworn enemy. You will not be able to do anything right for this individual. If the ruler's temper rises against you, and it could be your boss, a teacher, someone in a position of authority over you, do not abandon your position. Don't cave, run away, or quit. And don't try to appease them. Because composure allays great offenses. In other words, stay calm. Collect it. Don't panic. 
Count to ten, whatever it takes. Verse 5. There's an evil I have seen under the sun, like an heir which goes forth from the ruler. Folly is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. I've seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the land. So here Solomon has identified two very specific scenarios where those in charge demonstrate, using the last part of verse 3, demonstrate to everyone that he or she is a fool. The first scenario presents a possibility. If, if the ruler's temper rises against you. And the second is based on personal observation. Solomon has witnessed this. I have seen in verse 5. And again at the beginning of verse 7. I have seen. These are personal observations. Notice too the words used to describe the person in charge. Notice that? Verse 4, it is temper and great offenses. And verse 5, an evil, an error. In fact, the Hebrew words used here can actually be translated sin, albeit an unintentional sin. This ruler is not being malicious. It's not premeditated. In fact, the same word is used in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 6. Do not let your speech cause you to sin. And do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that oh, it was just a mistake. And then in verse 6 of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, the ruler is a promoter of folly. So really, Solomon has identified a common abuse of power in this, on display here. What would you call it? How would you... What, was a, what would you call that kind of abuse of power? Personal preference? Partiality? Playing favorites? Cronyism? Nepotism? Prejudice? Whatever you want to call it, it's foolishness. And it's sin. There are a couple of responses worth noting here. Refuse to be intimidated. Don't quit. Don't run. Don't try and hide. And for goodness sakes, do not try and appease this individual. Secondly, focus on the things that you can control. You cannot control who a foolish ruler will appoint. And you can stay up all hours of the night scheming and thinking about it and it won't do you a bit of good. You cannot control. Focus on the things that you can do something about. Be prepared to live smart. Avoid foolishness. Be smart in your assessment of foolishness and in your response to the foolishness of those in charge. And then... Be smart in your toils. These verses really read more like a health and safety memo. But let's go through them. 
Notice verse 8. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs may be endangered by them. So, how can you be smarter at work according to these verses? By taking the necessary precautions to ensure your safety. Wear your safety goggles. Avoid meeting one-on-one with someone of the opposite sex. Wear your seatbelt. The list could go on and on. Verse 10. If the axe is dull and, does not, and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. What's that proverbial statement suggesting? Take time to prepare. Sharpen the axe. It'll make you a whole lot more efficient. Take less effort. What's that saying? Work smarter, not harder. There you go. Verse 11, if the serpent bites before being charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. You know, you may have exceptional skills, but timing is everything. It's critical. What is the benefit of being an exceptional snake charmer? The snake has already injected you with its venom. Avoid procrastination. It can be deadly. Once you've been bit, it's too late to charm. So there you have it. Three P's to keep in mind if you want to be smart in your toils. Precautions. Take precautions. Preparation and procrastination. Avoid procrastination. Be prepared to live smart. Avoid foolishness. Be smart in your assessment of foolishness. In your response to the foolishness of those in charge. In your toils. And finally, be smart in your speech. Solomon gives us some straight talk on how we should talk. Or guidelines for our speech. Look at verse 12. Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious. They're favorable, charming, attractive. People will affirm them, approve them, while the lips of a fool consume him. They're destructive, self-destructive. They destroy him. Beloved, your words can be an asset or a liability. Notice verses 13 and 14. The beginning of his talking is folly, and in the end of it is wicked madness. Notice there's a progression. Starts off with wrong assumptions and goes from bad to worse. And yet the fool multiplies his words. New Living Translation reads, they chatter on and on and on. Be quiet already. 
How does that saying go? Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 28 says much the same thing. Even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's considered prudent. Smart. That's what prudent means. No man knows what will happen and who can tell him what will come after him. The fool is often found talking about all kinds of things that he knows nothing about. Foolish talk is meaningless. Notice verse 15. The toil of a fool so wearies him. Notice fools prefer talking over work all day long that he does not even know how to go to a city. Eugene Peterson's interpretive translation may be helpful in trying to figure out what Solomon is saying here. Fools are so exhausted by a little work that they can't even find their way home. The simplest of tasks. Who can't find their way home from work? The fool. Your performance your performance determines the credibility of your words. If you want to be taken seriously, live in such a way that you earn a hearing. Be respectable. The biblical term is be a person who is above reproach. Verses 16 through 19, Solomon paints a picture. The application is found in verse 20. But let me use a combination of Eugene Peterson's interpretive translation and the New Living Translation in order to paint this picture in your mind this morning before we look at the application in verse 20. Unlucky or unfortunate, the land whose king is a young pup and whose princes party all night. Lucky or blessed the land whose king is mature, and where princes behave themselves and don't drink themselves silly. Laziness leads to a sagging roof. Idleness leads to a leaky house. A party gives laughter, wine gives happiness, and money gives everything. Now, I need to interject here. Verse 19 is not Solomon's endorsement. What he is trying to do is give us the worldview or how these young princes and this young pup of a ruler is thinking. And so it's their thinking, not Solomon's endorsement. Now look at verse 20 of chapter 10. Furthermore, in your bedchamber do not curse a king and in your sleeping rooms, do not curse a rich man. For a bird of the heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known. We have that saying, right? Little birdie told me. Do not speak disrespectfully 
when it comes to God-appointed authorities. Remember the first, part, first two verses in Romans chapter 13? Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authorities come from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority or speaks disrespectfully about them in private is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. Prepare to live smart. Avoid foolishness. God wants you to be smart in your assessment of foolishness and your response to the foolishness of those in charge, in your toils, and in your speech, your words. Beloved, build your house upon the rock. As followers of Jesus, we have the advantage of the indwelling Spirit of God and the living Word of God. This same Solomon, although he didn't live a perfect life, and you know that from his life story contained in the scriptures, he was inspired by God in the biblical sense of inspiration to write and collect a number of Proverbs that are contained in this book, in the book of Proverbs. Turn there with me in your Bibles for a moment. The book of Proverbs. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 12. You'll notice the book of Proverbs is divided into 30 chapters. That just happens to work out to one chapter for every day of the month. Tomorrow is the 12th of June. Proverbs chapter 12. I'd encourage you to take that book first thing in the morning, turn to Proverbs chapter 12 and begin reading. Proverb after proverb. These are words of wisdom. And keep reading until you come to maybe one that strikes a chord in your heart. Or read to the end of the chapter and identify one verse that you want to kind of think about and write it down on a piece of paper, and stick it in your pocket. Carry it with you for the day. Every time you go to the bathroom, take it out and review. Or every time you go to put something in your mouth, take that little sleep, have a read of it again. And then, on the 13th, read Proverbs 13. 14, read Proverbs 14. 15, you make that a habit, every day of the month to follow through the book of Proverbs. Proverb a day, chapter a day. It'll help you. Help you to be smart. To avoid foolishness. Let's pray together. Father, you endowed Solomon with supernatural wisdom. And yet he went on to make some really poor choices. Thank you for inspiring and preserving him to write in the later years of his life 
so that we can avoid some of the mistakes he made personally and observed others making. We acknowledge our need for wisdom from above. Thank you for all that you have provided to enable us not only to know in our heads and hearts, but to act and react wisely while living under the sun, surrounded by turkeys, in the midst of fools, foolishness, and all kinds of folly. Help us, we pray, in that kind of environment, to live as faithful followers of Jesus Christ by your indwelling spirit for our good and for your glory we ask in Jesus name Amen